Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to the Masters of Modern Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, joined today once again by friend of the show, co-host of the show, one-time producer of the show, Michael Grothy. Hello, everyone. It's a slow <laughs> clap. I'm happy to have you here as a guest. Uh, this is a big episode. Oh, just kidding. The guy clapping off camera, that's our producer, Marshall. Marshall, how are you? I'm wonderful. We got a, a preview card today. It's a preview episode today. These are always exciting ones. We're so fortunate that Wizards of the Coast uh, grants us, uh, obviously, for free and just to help support the show and share with the community these preview cards. Every every few months when a new set comes out, we are gifted these amazing preview cards that we get to share with you guys. And this is an exclusive show. We're going to be premiering it here for the very first time. I think this is like our 10th or 12th preview card now. Some of There's the, been some good ones. Yeah, I mean, some of, the, some of the greatest hits are behind us here. We got Night of Autumn. We got... We got Fatal Push. We got some favorites of mine like Merfolk Mistbinder and Claim Fame. Isolate, isolate, isolate. Just kidding. Um, so, uh, <laughs> how much better would Isolate have been if it was just Kaya, New Kaya's negative one? If it hit any non land permanent with a mana cost one or less? So, if it could take out tokens and zero cost artifacts? If it could take zero cost artifacts and tokens, I think it would uh, marginally better. What do you I think? still don't think anybody would play it, but it would be better. I think you could <laughs> you could comfortably sideboard you could have that card in your sideboard in modern because you would be able to it would come in in enough matchups that it would be like a relevant sideboard card as a one of versus like right now it's very good against what it's good against but it's just irrelevant against everything else. Yeah, it's just too narrow of a sideboard card. Like you're not going to play it main and as far as sideboard cards go, there's like a million other cards you could play in that slot that the weird, the weird thing about Isolate is, though, you just, stuff. you just never know. Like, <laughs> if it costs one and it's instant speed, you just never know. Like, that card could be worth 30 cents for two years, and then all of a sudden it would be the absolute best cyborg card and shoot up to $12 overnight. It's true. It's just what happens. So, anyway, guys, this is the Modern Podcast, the Masters of Modern. We talk about modern on this show, and we introduced everybody. It's a preview episode, as I mentioned. Quickly, I want to remind everybody, if you want to follow along with the show, there's a couple things to do. You can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter. You can find our Twitter at the MMCast. There's a sweet Facebook group with like 5,000 people in it. Go check that out. Michael, where can the folks find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Dudard, D-U-D-A-R-D-D, uh, and I'm also uh, one of the moderators of the Facebook group, so I check out all the posts there. I don't post on it that much. I'm more of an observer and, you know, read it for fun, but I'm, I'm there. Sweet. You are. You're here, too. I'm, I'm excited about here. it. Um, we have uh, Marshall, obviously, is here from Time Traveler Media, which is his company. It's an amazing company that helps us run this show, which is a recent addition that we were able to add because patreon.com slash the MMcast. You guys are so generous there to help us be able to actually bring a producer in. Marshall, if the folks want to follow along with what you're doing, Magic or elsewhere, where, where do they find you? Uh, well, if they want to follow me, I'm at Marsh Unfocused on Twitter. And you can follow my company, Time Traveler Media, at timetravelermedia.com check that out guys so today on the show we are talking about this preview card it's a sweet card and uh, i'm gonna get to it in just one quick second but before i do i want to tell everybody here about a contest alex and i have talked about it he signed off on it it's april fools today but this is not a joke (laughs) this is a real thing it's a real contest and what we're doing is we are going to be giving away something and i can't tell you what we're giving away necessarily yet because it relates to the card we're about to preview so 
Stay tuned through the preview, and immediately afterwards, you're going to hear an ad roll, because that's what we have to do to keep the show running. And as soon as that's done, we're going to talk about the giveaway. It's super awesome. You should get in on it. Uh, Stay tuned for that. So I think we should just get straight to the preview episode. Yep. What do you think? Yep. Preview card. That's what we're all here for. Yes. Um, All right. So our card. It's a white card. It's a white card. Uh, Isolate reprint. Yeah. <laughs> the Isolate has been reprinted into another set. They've given it to us a second time as a preview card. <laughs> it's our brand now. It's, it's, it's their the, way of letting us know there's a one mana planeswalker in Masters this. Masters of Isolate. <laughs> Masters of Isolate. Yeah, we are the Isolate show. So our card is called Gideon's Triumph. Michael, how much does this card cost? One and a white. One and a white. Instant. It's an instant speed card. It's an uncommon from War of the Spark. It mirrors Gideon's defeat in that way. Yes. And this one says, target opponent sacrifices a creature that attacked or blocked this turn. If you control a Gideon Planeswalker, that player sacrifices two of those creatures instead. Very dispensed justice-ish, but it costs two instead of three. Which is good. Yeah. Now, first thoughts on this card. What do you think, Michael? Well, it it's... Potentially a two-mana two-for-one if you have a Gideon in play, which there's not a lot of two-mana two-for-ones in Magic, particularly not in Modern, and, you know, it affects the battlefield, which is relevant. I mean, like, Knight's Whisper is a two-mana two-for-one in Sign and Blood. They don't get a lot of play, but it's because they damage you and they don't affect the board. So in a lot of matchups, you're just dead. So it compares to, uh, what's the card, Collective collective blessing yep yes so it, it, it compares to collective blessing which is the that's the escalate card from a couple years ago um that's it's kind of in that vein it's kind of in the condemn or like oust vein like i said dispense justice is a card that has similar text yeah wing works, shards wing shards not in modern of course but yeah the, the in in the target player sacrifices a creature vein. yeah i mean it, it works well as like a defensive removal spell similar to oust or condemn or something like that because you can make them sacrifice a blocking creature but generally if they've blocked and then you're playing a card to kill their creature rather than like moving it out of the way so you can get in more damage. It's like way less efficient that way than if you're like making them sacrifice a creature that's attacking you so that you can not take damage is like more like it's better as a reactive card, right? It, it can't be used as a proactive card. You're always reacting. And if you're reacting, it's better if you're in a defensive position. I think there's a couple things about this card that I that really appeal to me. Um, the first one is that, as you mentioned, it's the possibility of a two-for-one. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a correct board state situation where you've built your deck properly and this card is being taken full advantage of, it's better than all the cards I just mentioned. It's, it is better than all of those. The cards that have the ability to do that, traditionally, are cards that cost one more. So... That's the cards we mentioned. Wing Shards in older formats or uh, Dispense Justice. Those are both three drops. Yeah. Those three drops that require you to have some other stipulation to have an opponent sacrifice two creatures. This one costs two, which we all know the difference between a two drop and a three drop in modern is everything. Yeah. I hate three drops for that reason. I love two drops for that reason. I like two drops and four drops. I do not like three drops. Um, <laughs> I Because... Playing two two drops on turn four is something that you do in modern. The fourth turn of the game is so important yeah. that it being a two drop allowing you to say like in a blue white deck have this and a counter spell open against like maybe I'm on a red deck or something like that. That's very relevant. Um, that matters a lot in a way that it costing three makes it a lot worse. So I think that's a, that's a really interesting component of this card. Um, I also like the fact that it has the upside, but the fact that it costs two on the front makes the card pretty playable to begin with. I think this in standard this will definitely be a card. 
Well, in standard, it's very difficult to evaluate because we don't know how good the Gideons are. I mean, I think in a world with no Gideons, this card is pretty niche, even in standard. Like, actually, I think it's more niche in standard. Like, in older formats like Legacy and Modern, um, you... There's much. There's more decks that are able to like ride one powerful threat to victory. Like one Tarmogoyf just beats your opponent down until they die, or one Celestial Colonnade beats your opponent down until they die, or an Ink Moth Nexus that you pumped a bunch of times, or a Death Shadow, because you have these like powerful cards that can carry the game all on their own. And in standard, there's less of that. You know, it's like I attack my opponent with a Merfolk Branchwalker and a Hydroid Crisis and uh, you know Jade Light Ranger or something, because like you you don't just have like one single card that can just win the game and you can back it up with spells but that's much more common in like modern and legacy and in legacy you see a lot of people playing like diabolic edict and stuff like that in part because it deals with cards like you know dark depths and whatever but um you know you, like edicts are better when your opponent has fewer creatures and this is an edict it's it's more conditional because you can only hit an attacking creature, but right. a lot of those decks that are just attacking with one big threat, like one big Ink Moth Nexus or one big Slippery Bogle, you know, are only playing like one threat. And and what's yeah, interesting is like twelve creatures off. So of those Bogles decks. is known for like playing around stuff like Liliana the Veil, which is the most popular edict in modern, because they can like fetch up Dryad Arbor. But because this stipulates that it has to be an attacking creature. They can't like attack. You play it, and they fetch up Dryad Arbor, but Dryad Arbor is not yeah. attacking, so you get their creature. And what's nice is even if they know you have this, and they try and play around it, if you have a Gideon in play, even attacking with a second Bogle or a second Dryad Arbor or something to try and like dodge it, if you have a Gideon in play, they sacrifice both anyway. And also on the flip side of it, if you're being more aggressive and you play this card, and we're going to talk about in a second some brews, some ideas of actually how to play this card. But for instance, if you're up against a Bogles deck and they have like a you're in you're in some one for one board situation where they have like a gigantic Bogle with like an armadillo cloak type of effect on it, and you attack with something that basically they have to block, otherwise it's very very bad for them. Let's say it's like an infect creature or it's just a big creature of your own, a double strike creature, something in like a Death Shadow Team or Battle Rage type of deck. The fact that you know that at instant speed, as soon as they block, you can blow that thing up. Again, same deal. It's a relevant card. Um, this being at instant speed, say, versus the sorcery speed of oust, I think is also very relevant. Yeah. Um, it makes it... So I don't know how good this card will be. Like, in a regular blue-light control deck, I think I would still probably take Collective Blessing. I can't imagine this card being better than that. Well, unless it, you were leaning into Gideon. That's the thing, is, like, Collective Blessing is good... In part because of its modal, but but the other modes are pretty low impact. They're like very rarely worth a card. Like gain four life or tap a creature? Untap up to two creatures you control. Okay, yeah. Uh, it might be any two creatures, but I am having trouble thinking of a situation yeah, yeah, okay. where you'd want to untap your opponent's creature. But yeah, it untaps up to two creatures, gains four life, sacrifice a creature, and you can choose another one of those modes for four. So you have the potential. image. Sure. You have the potential. <laughs> I'll untap my creature, untap your Phantasmal Image. I mean, you Phantasmal have Image does get played in go. Modern, so that's fair. And it's in, real. In the, in the like Aether Vile decks. But um, more commonly, you're like using it to make them sacrifice a creature, and then you can pay an extra two mana to gain four life sometimes. But this card, rather than having to pay two mana to get four life, you're... Uh, you need a Gideon in play instead of the two mana, which is more difficult for sure, but you like get another card worth of value out of it rather than the four life, which, you know, in exactly the burn matchup, the four life is more relevant and it's target player gains four life. So sometimes in the death shadow matchup, you want to make them gain life yep. to kill a shadow. You can like make them gain four life and then their shadow dies and then they have to sacrifice Grim Egg Angler or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> that's, that's a little bit more niche. Ooh, does the life gain happen early? Is it above 
Because I know the effects of those modal spells happen in the order that they're... Oh, it probably... I think I probably said it. I think it's probably uh, they sacrifice first and then you gain four life, if I recall correctly. But mm. So, it's a good card. It's an interesting card. And I think it lends itself especially well to a Gideon deck. So, coming up in just a second, Michael and I are going to talk about some actual Gideon deck designs that are going to utilize Gideon's Triumph in an awesome, awesome way. But before we do, there's going to be an ad roll you guys are going to hear right now. And then we're going to talk about a sweet contest giveaway. You guys should stay tuned because it's going to be really, really awesome. What's up, guys? Masters of Modern here. I'm Ben Bateman. I'm Alex Kessler. And we've got a couple quick shout outs for you guys that we wanted to remind you of on this episode. The first one is Twitter. At the MMCast, we've had a Twitter for years. It's a great place to interact with us. We post exclusive images of our brand new spoiler cards, all kinds of cool stuff. Check it out at the MMCast. It is a great way to support the show. Kess, where can the folks find you personally? I'm at Kess Wiley. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media. The second thing is we have a YouTube. You may be watching this right now, honestly. You might be listening to it. But one of the big pushes for us in 2019 is to build this YouTube channel. We want to get more eyes, more ears, bigger guests, better episodes, higher production quality. We even hired a producer right now, so you might even see the camera angles changing. Subscribe, like, comment. It's going really well so far. And honestly, if you guys support it, even if you're an audio listener already, it's a huge thing you can do to help us grow this. The third thing, and maybe the most important thing for our long-term health, is patreon.com slash the MMcast. Guys, this year is going to have a ton of cool rewards for you. We really want to make the Patreon feel special, and it's a great way to help us grow. Our ability to hire the producer, to get new gear, to do anything cool in the future is going to be dependent on our ability to actually pay for it. Because right now, Alex and I are just paying out of pocket for the show. You know, we love it, but that's what we're doing. Well, and, and the producer will help us kind of make sure we stay on stuff on Patreon. So it'll be a really thriving community. Yeah. Now, the last thing I want to talk to you guys about is the Command Zone. Jimmy Wong, Josh Lee Kwai, these guys helped us start this thing. Mm-hmm. Collected.company is where you can find their stuff. They're seriously the most professional magic people in the world. Not named Ben and Alex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they make awesome content every week. Commander Focus, they do game nights, they do uh, the Command Zone is the, obviously the podcast, the sister podcast of the MMCast. Check them out, Collected.company. It's the same place you can find our episodes every week as well. And the last thing is if you guys want to check out a great community, check out the Facebook group, the Masters of Modern. There's a ton of people in there. It's very interactive. There are constantly threads about new decks, new conversations. Uh, it's very active. Check it out. That's uh, Facebook, the official Masters of Modern group. And otherwise, let's get back to the show. Yep. Thanks, guys. And we are back. So coming up right now, we are going to give you guys some sweet, sweet deck tech action. But before we do, I want to talk to you about a giveaway. We just previewed Gideon's Triumph. It's our preview card. We're very excited about it. You saw it up on the screen a second ago. And because of that, Alex, Michael, Marshall, and myself would like to do a contest giveaway, and this is a good one. What you get if you satisfy the conditions I'm about to mention in one second is one of every single Gideon. That is six Gideons, including Kithion, the little 2-1 sucker. He's great. <laughs> I actually love that card, to be honest. I mean, Savannah Lions has come a long way, that's for sure. That card's really good. That yeah. card's like legitimately good. But so you have you have Kithion Battleforged, you have Gideon of the Trials, which is maybe the best one. You have Gideon Ally of Zendikar, probably the argument for the other best one. Gideon Jura, also very good, the dominated standard when it was in. You have uh, Gideon uh what's it called? Marshall Paragon. I think that was a six drop, right? It's it a five drop. It's, a five it's, drop. it's from the intro deck, so yeah. it's not very good. It's a little but it provides the complete Gideon package, and it also goes in Marshall's Marshall deck. It's true. I, I'm just waiting for a legendary Marshall. <laughs> there was Audric Lunark Marshall, and that was enough to almost push me to it. Yeah, I don't know if if this has been mentioned on the show before, but Marshall is trying to put together a deck using all of the cards that 
say Marshall. Because his name is Marshall. You got right, Marshall I'm Kuh, commander. you got yeah. Audric Lunark Marshall, you got Field Marshall, because a lot of them are soldiers. Marshall Law, Glory Mar- uh, so, Marshall Glory. Guys, we've gone on a tangent here, and that tangent has almost <laughs> that tangent has almost ignored perhaps the, the best version of the worst Gideon ever printed, which is Gideon... Do you want to say it for me? The wor- the bad one. I can't. Oh, remember. Gideon, champion of justice. Champion of justice from Gate Crash. Uh, yes, I actually spent the last twenty four hours as I was thinking about this episode, assuming that Gideon, champion of justice, cost three in my mind because it's so bad and it was still unplayable. And then when I realized today I was gonna have to talk about it, I actually looked at the card and realized that it costs four. It does cost four. Yeah. The, the design on Gideon, champion of justice, is so preposterously bad. It the fact that minus fifteen exiles all of their permanents. But in theory, to get your Gideon to the point that he is so big you can attack, but you have to minus 15 him to clear the rest of the board, what's he going to be at, like 22? You have to get your Gideon so big. If he gets to exactly 15, he's gone. If he gets to 17, now you're attacking with a 2-2? Like, that card is... It's astounding. And I love Forbidden Orchard. It's a Forbidden Orchard card. I want to play it in a Forbidden Orchard deck. Anyway, um... We're giving that one away, as well as all the other ones. So you get one of every single Gideon. If don't you guys... forget, you get a Gideon of the Trials and a Gideon Ally of Zendikar. <laughs> yeah, let's let's bring it back there before people get excited to get people excited. You and will... the flip Gideon. Yes, you will get you will get one of every single one of the Gideons. The six cards available. Alex and I will send those to you. So here's what you got to do if you want to win the Gideons. There are three conditions. You only have to satisfy one of them. But for each one you satisfy, you get another entry into the pool. Number one. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That is what you're probably watching this on right now. Maybe you're listening to this and you haven't subscribed. Go subscribe. All you got to do is click subscribe and you get entered in to win all the Gideons, including Gideon Champion of Justice. Leave an iTunes review. This is April 1st today. If you leave an iTunes review after today, April 1st or later, you will be entered in until this contest wraps. So go check that out. You get another entry if you do that. And the last one, leave a comment on this YouTube video letting us know how excited you are about the channel. Whatever you want to say, honestly, you can be rude. We'll probably delete the comment. But if you just write something, you still get entered into the contest. Three different entries get you three different entries to the contest. So so do those things. If you guys want to win a bunch of sweet Gideons, we're giving that away. Uh, we want to thank you guys so much for watching the show and listening to the show. Um, and we are really, really excited to give back to you guys. So that's what you'll be getting. And we're back after that talking about our Gaggle of Gideons giveaway. I hope you guys are excited about that. Please enter in there. Michael and I are are here to talk to you guys about a Gideon deck. Really a Gideon's Triumph deck. I mean, that's really what this is about, but it's going to include Gideon. Spoiler. Um, So at one point, I brewed this sweet deck, and then Alex brewed this deck, and they're kind of in the same family. Um, They're just a little different. So this is uh, Gideon Control is what Alex calls this. It's a three-color like Gideon Jeskai Control deck. The one I brewed, you guys may remember this. It was like six months to a year ago, I think. And it was basically a Gideon of the Trials Jeskai Delver deck that was playing a bunch of Pacts and Angel's Graces and things like that. To take advantage of Gideon of the Trials Zero ability? Yes, that's exactly right. And the Gideon of the Trials Zero ability that if you have a Gideon Planeswalker, you have an emblem that does not allow you to lose the game. Um, I found that the three colors, the low CMC, and the fact that you wanted to leave mana up for interaction in that deck made it hard to play that Gideon. It was better to have Angel's Graces. Remember, I played against that deck a few times when you were testing it out, and yeah, it seemed... It won some games. Actually, I think some of the games I won were against you, which is sweet, but... We were playing Chance (laughs) for Glory as well, right? Take an extra turn or something like that. I think I was playing one of them. Or Glorious End. Yes. Glorious End, that's the one I'm thinking Chance for Glory wasn't printed yet. Glorious End, I might have been playing. The version I was playing was playing like like it was awesome it was like pack to the titan and snapcaster mage and angel's grace and like the whole idea was you could go like delver turn one 
you know, untap, hopefully flip your Delver, and then you could end of turn Pact of the Titan, Snapcaster Mage, Pact of the Titan, and if you had, if you had uh, Angel's, Grace. Angel's Grace in hand, you could like untap, stifle the trigger or whatever, and attack for ten. Um, that was the best play because, like, actually no, it was attack for 13. fifteen on turn two, right? Four, eight, two from the Snapcaster, so thirteen. Yeah, yeah, attack for thirteen on turn two. Um, our turn three, yeah. Whatever. Um, it was fun. It was a fun deck. It was not very good. Um, I played it a bunch. Ben Bateman is unimpressed with 13 damage on turn three. It is was it just Phoenix like, playing Is It Phoenix has ruined you for all these other brews now. Is It Phoenix is just doing that except way better. <laughs> <laughs> and it costs like two cards instead of your entire hand. Decks like that that I would build are like consistently would just like get thought seized and then just like, ugh, this is the worst. <laughs> they took the Angel's Grace. I have all these blank packs yeah, in my hand. Exactly. Well, you, but you, the deck played like Trick Bind, which was really fun because you could like play a Delver and then like Trick Bind to fetch land and sometimes just ride that to victory. Um, it, the deck was really fun, honestly, and I, I would still recommend like messing around with that concept. I, I remember that some people sent lists in, but that oh, was the version you, I built. Can you Trick Bind a Pact yep. trigger? Yep. Oh, but no, only all, one. So if you've snap casted your yeah, pact, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there was a bunch of interesting stuff going on. Like, and I, I remember like I think at one point I tried out like Niv Magus Elemental in the deck as like a way to like get extra value. Oh, um, like if you don't have a way to stifle the pack trigger, you just eat your pact. Yes, exactly. Like there was some there was some interesting stuff there. Um, it just was too easily disruptible and then couldn't close the AMF fast enough. So um, anyway, that was the version I built. The version Alex built here is a little more of a control shell. So we're going to go down the list here and talk about it. It plays four Snapcaster Mage, four Pact of Negation, two Pact of the Titan, four Angel's Grace. So it's got the Pact Angel's Grace package that was in your deck. Yep. He's got the four Lightning Bolt that I was also playing, four Path to Exile. Two of the new card, Gideon's Triumph. We've got one Logic Knot, four Gideon of the Trials, two Gideon Ally of Zendikar, one Jace the Mind Sculptor. It's got one Gideon Jura, two Teferi Hero of Dominaria, and then a bunch of lands, including three Celestial Colonnades and two Field of Ruins. Um, that's the list. So it's kind of a control list. First off, Michael, do you think... Alex is any good at building decks. He's not here. It's April Fool's Day. We can talk as much. Just kidding. Um, do you? Th- how do you, how do you like this deck? Do you think that the card Gideon's Trial, Gideon Gideon's Triumph, fits well in the deck? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Gideon the Trials is the natural friend of uh, Gideon's Triumph because it it's cheap. It's the cheapest Gideon, and it also is the most defensive because of its plus one that like plays strictly defense. Um, I mean, Gideon Jura is also defensive, but he costs five mana. Another thing that I think is interesting about like a blue-white Super Friends type deck like this uh, is that Teferi untaps two mana, which is how much you need to cast this card. So like two mana instants are always decks. You want to make sure in your Teferi decks that you have a good number of two mana instants. I mean, like obviously the decks that are playing Teferi also end up playing like Cryptic Command and stuff like that. But cards like Logic Nod and, uh, you know, um, what's the Lightning Helix and Gideon's Triumph and stuff like that always make sense to me in Teferi decks. And, you know, if you're playing like a blue-white Super Frenzy type thing with some Gideons and some Teferis, then I think this is a card that really makes sense in a show like that. Yeah, I might cut down to like one less Pact of Negation and maybe play like... mm, I'd want to find room for like two either like remands or different two meta counter spells because it feels a little light on your ability to two counter spells. Because I think also playing a three mana Gideon, a fourth land, and then having four mana open is kind of where you want to be with this deck. You yeah. want to be able to play two spells on, on that turn. And so Pact of Negation is sweet, but sometimes just playing Pact of Negation, 
like you you don't want to have to wait the extra turn to play it or like burn two cards to get a free counter spell when actually you just have mana open and playing a logic knot or even like a mana leak would be better yeah yeah remand seems really good in this especially with as many um planeswalkers as this deck is playing what is your feelings on oath of teferi that's the one that makes two one ones and your planeswalkers enter with an extra that's oath of gideon, oath of, gideon. Oath of teferi is a five mana enchantment which is i think disqualifies it but i'll i'll i'll, <laughs> I'll uh it, it when it enters the battlefield you exile target permanent you control i think it comes back on the end step maybe it comes back immediately but it flickers a permanent and then a permanent you control and then you can activate all of your planeswalkers twice Oh, it's a legendary right, right, enchantment. Right. Let's 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 look it up real quick. Let's just sure. Make sure. While you're looking it up, I'm gonna talk a little bit more about this deck list. I think that um, like a Jeskai shell like this, even a more controlling Jeskai shell that's like not playing Lightning Helix, uh, like playing less burn and playing more Planeswalkers. I still feel like I would rather just be playing Lightning Bolts or like or you're playing Lightning Bolts, but I'd rather be playing like Lightning Helixes over the Gideon's Triumph. I think where Gideon's Triumph really shines to me is just in a blue white shell where you're like aiming to have more consistent mana take less damage from your lands um and you're you're looking for like that fifth path to exile because the decks that have historically played like condemn or oust or blessed alliance are typically like i mean not always because there was a time when death shadow was on top where like everybody was playing blessed alliance but like these days you'll typically see those in like blue white decks where they have their four path to exiles and they're just looking for a fifth or a sixth or a seventh removal spell because you don't have a lot of options in blue white and you definitely want something instant speed or at least cheap enough like outs that you can play it and hold up counter magic and so i feel like with red looking at this list i kind of would rather the gideon's triumph just be lightning helixes because they allow you to go to the face you can burn your opponent out especially since this deck is playing pact of the titan I think that maybe there is like a cute Pact of Negation, Angel's Grace, little combo thing that could exist. But I I just think that if that exists, it's probably not playing Gideon's Triumph, especially because Pact of the Titan is like a more proactive card. Like you can flash in a blocker and block, but I mean, generally you want to be using it to burn your opponent in the face. I wonder if I wonder if the version of this deck, I wonder if Gideon's Triumph is better in the version of the deck that I was building in the first place we increase the land count a little bit and make it a little bit more tempo well, that deck was aggressive as well i mean i think that like giving up a bunch of tempo by allowing your opponent to block and then killing your creature rather than playing proactive removal like lightning helix just doesn't seem like it makes sense to me sure. and i feel like a deck with like four path four bolt four lightning helix is just not in the market for another two mana removal spell yeah i feel like w- what if this just leaned heavier into a more traditional blue white control build I where think that's you where sit I would on remand like yeah on turn two you like play your second land and you sit on remand but if they are running out a goblin guide or they manage to get phoenix going and send a couple phoenixes at you yeah then, I mean, I, then you have your this as just a edict but then you could theoretically follow it up the next turn with your getting of the trials and have let me go some let me, game let, let me go to a different direction on a deck that's not listed here yeah of course of course this is we just we printed out alex's deck since he's not here so we could <laughs> we could have it for reference the version of the deck that i was thinking of before we sat down um and i didn't get to put it into a list is playing a white red prison gideon deck that's playing this card okay i like um, the idea of this and i think you're you're playing blood moons and you're playing like magus of the moon you're doing kind of what the white like the mono red or the white red prison decks like the like the sun and moon decks where they're playing like chalices and nahiri and elspeth and stuff yeah maybe gideon's instead of elspeth i guess i think maybe actually what you're doing is instead of going so hard to try to get your chalices down i think maybe you allow them to have their one drops um you don't go so turbo and you just play kind of like a white red control deck that's playing 
that's just playing Blood Moons. Maybe you don't even play Magus of the Moon. I'm not even sure. But like this deck is probably playing like a Johnny Vengeant along with all of its Gideons. Um, you could like, I mean, I don't know if you'd want an Angel's Grace in the deck as well. I'm not really sure how it would work, but I definitely I mean, think... Angel's Grace is really only good when you're playing a big pile of Pacts, and even then it's like not as good as like Ad Nauseam. I mean, Angel's Grace, I think there's a reason that Angel's Grace doesn't show up a lot. Like Gideon of the Trial's ability to like stifle your pack triggers doesn't mean that you have to be playing like a packed Angel's Grace package in your deck. That was just a concept that you know, we've explored on the show before, so I think it's worth mentioning. But this red-white deck sounds like it just doesn't want Pacts and doesn't want Angel's Grace. Well, imagine a situation where... the Trials where, is just a good card in the deck. Imagine a situation where on turn three, you... Because uh, Pact of Negation, if I remember correctly... Sorry, Pact of the Titan, if I remember correctly, does it cost five or three to pay for the cost? Five. Cost five? Cost so, the cost of a Fomori Nomad, which is what it makes. Yeah. So it's a little dicey because, like, what you want to do is you want that cost to be three there you know, not five because you want to be able to play a blood moon and then make a four, four that same turn and pay for it the next upkeep. And that's not going to happen in this deck. And in that sense, like you have to wait a long time to get your game plan going to actually win, which is where I don't know if angels grace really does fit into the deck, but I do like the idea of just like all Gideons with a Johnny vengeant and then blood moon and like removal cards, just like pads and this. Card. Yeah. Well, so the reason that I was thinking you might go in a chalice direction is because those red white prison decks that are playing chalice and they're like playing some spirit guide even to try and like power out a chalice or power out a blood moon. Um, a lot of times they're looking for like two mana removal spells. That, right. The that fact kill a variety of two things. is really, really relevant. right. Because yeah. those decks can't play path. They can't play lightning bolt. A lot of times they'll play lightning helix and they'll play like a braid or, you know, they'll try and like get around this restriction, but this is an unconditional removal spell that costs two. I mean, not unconditional, but it, they have to attack. It, it is, it is a, uh, a removal spell that doesn't co- care about the co- the size of their creature. So a lot of times, you know, you'll be facing down like a Gurmag Angler or something, and you're looking at a handful of Lightning Helixes and you know Lightning Bolts or something like that. And this will this will deal with that. Um, and it does kill a blocking creature. So in the Red White Prison deck, where like you're hoping to lock them out and then kill them by like attacking with Gideon or something, having them like have one big creature that you can't burn out, just like getting in the way of your Goblin Rabble Master or whatever, you could just kill it. Now, what about playing this, if we're going to continue to kind of theorize on different Gideon decks we could be playing, yeah. what if you're playing a Gideon Tokens version that wants to play Gideon Ally of Zendikar, it wants to play, uh, I guess, Ally of Zendikar makes you a 2-2, and it also makes you an Anthem, correct? Yep. So you want to probably play that one. That's really the only, like, go-wide Gideon. Most yeah. of the Gideons just get in themselves. You, you play, play Kithion you in can play th- Yeah, you play, you play Kithion in that deck. My, my idea here is that if you're playing in sort of a tokens deck, you're inevitably going to be attacking with 1-1s one that your opponent is totally fine blocking, and they're going to block with two of them, and then you're going to play Gideon's Triumph, and you're going to two-for-one them. And that's where I think that this card would shine in that deck. So, again, you could, you could be in a more aggressive Gideon, Blood Moon, White Red deck. Same kind of thing. That's totally comfortable being aggressive and making tokens and playing Gideons and just trying to end the game that way. And you're happy to play a blood moon on turn three. Yeah. I'm, I've always been interested in the, uh, application of Kithian in both some sort of humans build because he's a human before he flips. And then every, every Gideon turns into a human when they animate, um, for whatever, whatever that matters. But, uh, I, I think I've just always been excited about the idea of like, yeah, playing a turn one Kithian, into turn two like goblin guide goblin guide or goblin guide and some other like hasty one yeah. drop so i get the turn two get kitty 
Gideon Battleforged. Yeah, I mean, they've printed a lot of Savannah Lions since Alpha because, you know, Savannah Lions is such an iconic card. And this Kithian is definitely the best one. It's just like we haven't really had a home for Savannah Lions in Modern yet. But. And obviously you play Windbrush Heights in this deck because Windbrush Heights is just the land-friendly version of Kithian. And Legion's Landing is also plays Ooh. fun in this as well. That's, Landing Legion's is a Landing very nice is one drop. sweet. It makes the it makes the 1-1 one, one lifelinker and it flips over with three or more creatures yeah, attacking, and right? With, and with Kithian, you want one drops because you want to be playing two one drops. You want to play Kithian in turn one and then two one drops on turn two. So on turn three, you can swing with all three and get your flip. The other thing I like too is that you can make get, you can make Kithion indestructible for three, which is also the cost of a blood moon. So post combat on turn three, you just slam blood moon if they like they're trying they're like trying to bait you into doing it, but you just don't do it. And then you just cast Blood Moon and they're like, uh, remove your Gideon, except I just lose now because I've been Blood Mooned. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that seems yeah, really yeah. fun. Um yeah, sweet. So those are kind of my thoughts on the decks that we have for Gideon. Um, I don't totally think that I can think of a lot of other places to utilize Gideon. I guess let's do the crazy exercise here that I wanted us to do. Of Is there some way we can think of that Gideon Champion of Justice is a playable card? What's the deck? Collective brainstorm, guys. So I think that it could be a win con in like an ensnaring bridge deck or something because what Gideon of Champion of Justice wants is to... He wants your opponent to have a lot of creatures, but they can't be attacking him because he will die. He doesn't have any way to protect himself. That's the bad thing about the card, right? Is that he gets really big because he he gets a loyalty for each of your opponent's creatures. So he grows faster than almost any other Planeswalker in the format. Certainly looking bigger. Looking him up here, yeah. Yeah, certainly more than any other four mana Planeswalker because he can potentially, against like a Humans or a Spirits or some deck going wide, he could be growing by like five, six every turn. But they'll just kill him because their creatures probably have more than one power and they are going to attack him for more than he's going to grow. But if you can put him behind an ensnaring bridge or something like that, or like Magus of the Moat, if we want to get real spicy, all that card sucks. But um, (laughs) (laughs) some way to... So is Gideon Champion of Justice, so he's in a pod. So we're we're playing our bad four-drop white tribal. (laughs) Yeah, so some way to keep him from getting killed so that he can grow unchecked and then he exiles all permanents, including the ensnaring bridge, and then he can start killing your opponent when they have no permanents. <laughs> it's right? debatable the- that Gideon Champion of Justice has the coolest art of any Gideon. I yeah, I concur. I think it's either him. He's looking pretty badass. Definitely very action hero. Looks really cool. I think Kithian. I think Gideon Battleforge, the backside of Flip Kithian. Kithian is my favorite. Oh well, there's also the SDCC promos. Oh there. well, no. I don't think promos count. No. Speaking of sweet promos, I just bought a. Uh, I just bought the Ravening of Mythic edition of Dakvaden because um, I needed to get cards for Highlander, which I'm going to talk about in just a second because that seems like a really good thing to talk about because I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it's great. Um, but I just bought one because we have to have real cards now because there's going to be stuff coming out with it soon. And I was like looking online. And I was like, regular Dakvaden is like 17 bucks, I think, or maybe 15. Have you announced that yet? What? What's going on with it? Yeah. No, we're going to be talking about it in just a second. Oh, cool. And I'm really excited about it. Um, And I looked up the Mythic Edition, and it looks so dope. It's so cool. Yeah, it's it's really good. And it was 47 bucks. I was like, there's almost no way, unless this card gets reprinted into the ground, that in two years, that's not like $200. Like, that's a really good card. And it's a good card in every single format. Back to Vintage. Well, as was part of the discussion last week, it's, you know, contender for best blue red card, right? Yeah, which is going to be next week's episode, by the way, which is the best card week, in the, every single week. guild. You did that last week. We did that last week because this is being recorded out of order. <laughs> we we, can, just, we can just take it again. And Dak Faden, <laughs> no, nah, I don't care. Leave, leave, leave in the mistakes. <laughs> Dak Faden, is that, that's the best blue red card ever printed. 
um, on both of our lists because that card is insane. Anyway, um, so yeah, I think Gideon Champion to Justice, I think you're probably right. I was thinking like, is there some sort of way that Gideon Champion of Justice fits into the old hunted horror, hunted handsome deck that I had built from a few years ago? So for those of you that are newer to the show or don't remember, there was a time when I would build ridiculous brews, actually buy the real cards and go to Grand Prix and play them. That time has passed. Just kidding. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing that. <laughs> now that I day two'd a magic fest, I'm never coming back. No, no, no. It was really fun, though, um, doing that. And I just haven't done it in probably a year or a little less than because my last one was such a train wreck. But there was a deck from years ago called Haunted Handsome that I built that was before the legendary rule changed where all versions of a creature would die or permanent would die at the same time. What's that? A static effect? State-based? State-based action, yeah. State-based action, where if you had two permanents that were the legendary subtype in the same name, they would both cease to exist simultaneously. So you would start the game with a ley line of singularity, which is the blue ley line that makes all permanents legendary. Then you would play a hunted horror on turn two. You get a 7-7 trample, and the two 3-3s your opponent would get would cease to exist. Um, you would do this also with Hunted Phantasm, the 4-6 unblockable for 3, and all the 1-1s, one the 5 they get would cease to exist. And you would have things like Blood Artists in your deck that would then trigger off of all the things that they had that were entering the battlefield and dying. It was really fun. It was I, also a Forbidden Orchard deck, as Ben mentioned earlier, yes. because if you gave them more than one spirit, all spirits would die because they were legendary. It was awesome. It was really fun. Um, the legendary rule kind of screwed it up. It's still fine, but they would keep one of the two 3-3s. Three, it just was a lot less good. My thought is... A couple years later, Jeff Roberts, who's a frequent listener of the show, came up with a version of that deck that was utilizing that curse. Um, is it Curse of Misfortune? or curse No, of- it's Curse of Trespassers or whatever. The one from Amonkhet, two mana. And whenever a creature enters the battlefield under the cursed opponent's control, uh, they lose one, you gain one. Yeah, so there was a few cards printed that were interesting and kind of changed that deck up a little bit and made it less about... It made the deck less about the creatures you were attacking with and more giving your opponent the maximum number of creatures that would trigger. Suture Priest is another card that you would play. You gain life when creatures enter for you, and they lose life. It's a two-mana 1-1. It's an interesting concept, and it lends itself really nicely to using Gideon Champion of Justice because you're giving your opponent a bunch of creatures and then blowing them up with stuff like Engineered Explosives or um, Ratchet Bomb effects, things like that. I think it's important to note we've been uh, bagging on Champion of Justice, but for our podcast listeners, we haven't actually said the full text of. Oh, what well, it we'll, does? we'll show it on the screen, right? But no, for the podcast, do. for the, the audio. podcast. So Gideon Champion of Justice. As your too? podcast right. producer, I have to remember the non-visual <laughs> yeah, audience. Gideon Champion of Justice is white, white, two for a four loyalty Planeswalker Gideon. Plus one, put a loyalty counter on Gideon Champion of Justice for each creature target opponent controls. Zero, until end of turn, Gideon Champion of Justice becomes an indestructible human soldier creature with power and toughness each equal to the number of tokens or uh, counters on your Gideon Planeswalker. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. And minus 15, exile all other permits. Including lands. Including lands. That's the important bit. Why do you think they, for a tall order like minus 15, why do you think they made it exile all of your stuff too? Because this card's terrible. It reads... <laughs> I mean, it sounds cool. A one-sided exile... Exile all of their permanents is cool. I mean, if you're the only person with a permanent on the battlefield, you're probably going to win. It's just how do you get there. <laughs> also, I think the problem with exiling all of your opponent's permanents, if you can minus 15 Gideon, is that like there are some matchups where this card's totally unfun because it comes down and pluses to 15. And then if you can find some way to not have him attacked, you just win the next turn. Because there are going to be some decks that have like seven creatures in play when you play them. 
Yeah, but those creatures just attack him and kill him. Well, I mean, I guess you could play fogs, maybe. I, I yeah. think that if they had done it that way, it's exiling all permanents makes the post ultimate like way in your favor because you have a planeswalker, but like not just I win. Whereas like the flip side, but then again, minus fifteen should just be I win. <laughs> well, it's minus fifteen, but you're able to plus more than one or two per turn theoretically. Right. Well, and I guess like the idea is that it's it's more expensive than the minus 15 that's implied because as you said if you want to win the game he's got to be at at least like 18 so he can animate into a 3-3 or something and close out the game yeah all right i think that's enough conversation about getting champion of justice um we have have exhausted the topic i think there was probably enough conversation about getting champion of justice before we started building decks So, uh, guys, that is going to wrap up our deck-building brew section of the show. Um, Let's talk about this last thing. This is not the official announcement because the official details of this are not out there yet, and I kind of want to save them. But for a long time, we've talked about a format called Highlander Roulette. That's a thing. Um, There are some details that are changing with that format that will all be premiered very soon. But Highlander Roulette, which classically is six decks, all built singleton, 100 cards per deck, no repetitions between the six decks. The list of banned cards historically has been every single card with a foil version and print is what's legal. We are doing our best right now to take that to the masses. We're trying to find a way to run a sanctioned tournament at a Grand Prix. This has not been confirmed nor announced, so when that all happens, we'll announce it. But so you guys know, um, we're working really hard internally right now to find the right way to do this, the right name for the format, the correct ban list, all the things, small augmentations, what we've done, so that at a Grand Prix, at a Magic Fest, sometime in the next year, hopefully, there's going to be a sanctioned event where you could play against us and our Highlander wheels. We would all show up and and register our deck lists and the whole thing. Oh my God, register deck lists. That sounds like a nightmare. Um, But it's going to be super fun, and we're really, really excited about it. So um, I urge you guys, if you're going to leave comments below because of the Gaggle of Gideon's giveaway. Ah, it sounds so good. That we just announced a second ago. Uh, the Gaggle of Gideon's giveaway. The Gaggle of Gideon's giveaway. Isolate. Um, if you guys want to leave your comments below about Highlander Roulette and how excited you are and that you would love to see it, that's a great thing to leave your comments about because there's going to be an official announcement coming very soon, possibly even next week. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about briefly. So, Ben, for the new listeners, uh, why is it called Highlander Roulette? Well, it's been called Highlander Roulette for a long time because in your six decks, you put your six down, usually in a lunchbox, because that's the the preferred method of storing your decks. Oh, well, I have mine in an 800 count box. Or, uh, yeah, 800 count box. Okay. Some padding. Sweet. And I have mine in a grimoire currently. (laughs) Um, And you roll off a six-sider, and the deck you play is one of those six decks versus the one they roll. And then in game two, you roll out the remaining five, and if there's a game three, you you roll off the remaining four decks. It's funny because it's actually kind of similar to like the format from the Mythic Invitational this last weekend with the duo standard where they um oh right right they right. have they only have two decks instead of six but they like play one at random against their opponent's random deck it's like a small scale Highland roulette match a little bit right that's then, really fun at the last uh, at the last uh, of the tournaments that we run we run these Highlander tournaments every mm-hmm. three months um, we had one it was a Ravnica super sealed it was one pack of all eight Ravnica sets and you had to build two sealed decks and uh, you rolled off randomly game one the other one you had to play in game two and whichever of your two decks lost you would play in game three so both players were playing their worst deck or at least the deck they lost yeah with. that's the format of the mythic invitational that just happened yeah it was super fun we had a great we time we don't know anything about it because we're recording this before it happened but for the listeners it, it just 
just happened. It just happened. <laughs> so yeah, stay tuned for that, guys. And uh, a great thing to do if you want more information on Highlander, because I promise you, one way or another, Highlander is going to have its biggest moment in the sun in the next six months. We're pushing very hard right now. There's big things coming, stuff I want to announce, but I kind of can't. Um, and it's all going to be out there really soon. And we're going to encourage all the listeners of this show to get on board and build a wheel and, and get with us, because it's like it is the actual most fun format of Magic I've ever played. I mean, I love modern, but Highlander it, Roulette is my favorite format ever. So uh, we're working on that, and that's the thing. Um, I think that's going to wrap up the show this week. Michael, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, nope. All right, sweet. Marshall, anything you want to plug? Nope, just uh, like, subscribe, share the show with all of your friends. Yeah, like, subscribe, comment, all the things. Patreon.com slash TheMMCast is how we keep going. Um, we did mention the Gaggle of Gideon's giveaway, so one more time, if you forgot the details, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment on this video, or give us a review and rating on iTunes April 1st or later. All three of those things get you an entry into the contest to win all five Six, including Kithion, Gideon Planeswalker cards. We're going to be shipping them out to whoever we randomly select. It'll be one person from all of those different entries. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of this. And we'll be back same time, same place next week with more magic content. Bye, everybody. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media. Sending podcasts into the future.